When I was quite small, I would sometimes dream of a city, which was strange, because it began before I even knew what a city was. But this city, clustered on the curve of a big blue bay, would come into my mind. I could see the streets and the buildings that lined them, the waterfront, even boats in the harbour. Yet, waking, I had never seen the sea or a boat. And the buildings were quite unlike any I knew. The traffic in the streets was strange, carts running with no horses to pull them, and sometimes there were things in the sky, shiny fish-shaped things that certainly were not birds. Most often I would see this wonderful place by daylight, but occasionally it was by night when the lights lay like strings of glowworms along the shore, and a few of them seemed to be sparks drifting on the water or in the air. It was a beautiful, fascinating place, and once, when I was still young enough to know no better, I asked my eldest sister, Mary, where this lovely city could be. She shook her head and told me that there was no such place, not now. But perhaps, she suggested, I could somehow be dreaming about times long ago. Dreams were funny things, and there was no accounting for them, so it might be that what I was seeing was a bit of the world as it had been once upon a time the wonderful world that the old people had lived in, as it had been before God sent tribulation. But after that, she went on to warn me very seriously not to mention it to anyone else. Other people, as far as she knew, did not have such pictures in their heads, either sleeping or waking, so it would be unwise to mention them. That was good advice, and luckily I had the sense to take it. People in our district had a very sharp eye for the odd or the unusual, so that even my left-handedness caused slight disapproval. So at that time, and for some years afterwards, I did not mention it to anyone. Indeed, I almost forgot about it, for as I grew older the dream came less frequently, and then very rarely. But the advice stuck. Without it I might have mentioned the curious understanding I had with my cousin Rosalind, and that would certainly have led us both into very grave trouble, if anyone had happened to believe me. Neither I nor she, I think, paid much attention to it at that time. We simply had the habit of caution. I certainly did not feel unusual. I was a normal little boy, growing up in a normal way, taking the ways of the world about me for granted— and I kept on like that until the day I met Sophie. Even then the difference was not immediate. It is hindsight that enables me to fix that as the day when my first small doubts started to germinate. That day I had gone off by myself as I often did. I was, I suppose, nearly ten years old. My next sister, Sarah, was five years older, and the gap meant that I played a great deal alone. I had made my way down the cart track to the south, along the borders of several fields until I came to the high bank, and then along the top of the bank for quite a way. The bank was no puzzle to me then. It was far too big for me to think of as a thing that men could have built, nor had it ever occurred to me to connect it with the wondrous doings of the old people whom I sometimes heard about. It was simply the bank, coming round in a wide curve, and then running straight as an arrow towards the distant hills, just a part of the world, and no more to be wondered at than the river, the sky, or the hills themselves. 